Welcome to Narrow Way to Broadway, a podcast for people of faith with a passion for the arts. Each episode is designed for the thespian and non-thespian and the believer and non-believer alike, navigating topics affecting the hearts, minds, and homes of artists everywhere. Enjoy the show. Hello, hello, Nearway to Broadway. Welcome to this interview. Today we have Addison Garner up on the mic. I was so excited to interview Addison because I'm actually going to see her in the show that she's touring with today. Um, <laughs> she is currently on the national tour of Hairspray as Velma Von Tussel. I'm going to let her tell you a little bit more about her story, her experience, and all that good stuff. But first, I just want to welcome her to the show. Hey, Addison. Hi. Hi, everyone. This is so fun. I don't know why I just introduced you like so much more radio-like than I normally do, but <laughs> but here we are. That's okay. I think um, it's because you're, your, you're in your closet, right? <laughs> yes, I'm in my closet. The sound is reverberating. I'm I'm trying to like not allow the train to seep into the microphone, so maybe that's why that happened. <laughs> oh, I love it. Anyways, it's the way it is. So, okay, Addison, I need to tell you a funny story before I dive into some of these questions I have for you. Okay. Um, so when I was doing, I always just like to do a little research on, on everybody that we have on the show. And, um, I, so I put into the Google search bar, Addison Garner hairspray, like, cause I knew that you had obviously had extensive experience with the show, both on, on the cruise ships and here. And like the first thing that pops up, I'm so confused because it's like, Garnier Fructis hairspray. So I think it thought that like your name was, I think it thought that I wanted to look up Garnier Fructis hairspray because it said Addison Garner. Hairspray. Yeah. They, they think that I'm French, you know, they think I'm fancy. Right. Have, have you experienced this, this before? You know, I don't know that I've ever actually Googled myself, so I'm not mm. sure. <laughs> Honestly, I can't say the same, Madison. I always want to know what's going on with the algorithm of Emma Vanderbilt. So of everything, yeah. <laughs> Good actually, for you. I, I take that back. I think I did it earlier today or earlier this week because someone was asking me about my pageant days, ah. and I was like, "Oh gosh!" So they wanted to, to know all about my Miss Alabama days back in right. the day. But you said, "Take a look." <laughs> uh, yeah, take you Google it yourself. That is so fun. Amazing. Well, I just wanted to give the people a little bit. You might have to scroll. If you want to look up Addison, you might have to scroll a little bit past some, past <laughs> past some firm hold here. But yes, exactly. Amazing. Okay. Well, we're going to start, Addison, with some rapid fire questions, which always end up Amazing. not being really rapid fire. They end up being, you know, like normal fire. Just they're fun, but they end up taking a little longer. So mm-hmm. actually, this might be, I wrote questions specifically to be rapid fire. So we might be good. Okay. Number one, um, number one, favorite thing you've eaten in Chicago? Ooh, ooh. Okay, so I, I had deep dish, obviously, which Yum. was great. Lou's or I, Giordano's? Giordano's. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But can I tell you, I've had the best tacos of my life here <gasps> in Chicago. Okay, whereabouts? Flaco Taco. Flaco Taco. I don't know if I've ever been to Flaco Taco. Is it downtown? It's, yeah, it, and it's <gasps> delish. Like, so good, I would go back. Okay. I, so I need good. you to know that like a lot of what you just said is fighting words for some people in Chicago because <laughs> one, you went to Giordano's, which is my personal favorite, but people always at me. So Giordano, for anybody who's wondering, there's a an intense debate in the Chicagoland area about what is the best deep dish pizza. Everybody has deep dish pizza, but it's typically right. between Lou Malnati's and Giordano's. Giordano's has the stuffed crust, which of course I prefer um, but pe- some people like Lou Malnati's because it has the buttery crust. So anyway, 
Right. And that's oh, neither oh, here yeah. nor there. Yes. Well, maybe but I'll have to try both. I am here till Monday. So maybe, okay, maybe you do. Well, and it's interesting too, because like typically when people say they got really good tacos in Chicago, it's, it's like in the Pilsen area, because that's where like the amazing Mexican restaurants that have been like family owned for forever are. So I'm right. surprised that you got amazing tacos. Anyways, I'll have to well, go to Taco Taco. Yeah. Our, um, our saxophonist in the show is from the area and it's really fun whenever we're in different cities that people are from, they always send out like an email of best, you know, brunch, dinner. Right. My favorite one is Instagrammable ice cream or like whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, but this was yes. one of the, the taco places and I'm a sucker for a good taco. So love um, it. he did not lead me astray. It was really, really great. Okay, good. Good to know. I'll be there. <laughs> okay. Second question. Um, what is your favorite book that you read in the last year? I don't know if you're a reader. Um, I am a reader actually. Um, yeah. hmm, it's a hard question. I'm currently reading Little Fires Everywhere. Yes. Which is really great. I'm enjoying it thus far. I'm more of a, like a, as of late, a thriller mystery mm-hmm, kind of person. Mm-hmm, so great. Um, I have like the couple next door that I'm reading. Um, my friend who plays Edna, his name's Andrew. He just gave me this book called Little Weirds. So yes, yes. So Jenny. Read that um, too. Yes. Mm-hmm. I've heard that's really, really good. Isn't it kind of like a collection of not short stories, but it's a she's she's a comedian, right? Yeah, it's, it? her name her name is Jenny Slate. Yes, and it's called Little Weirds, and um, he had nothing but great things to say. So I'm about to dive into that as soon as I finish the other one. Fantastic. It's I'm trying to like not be on my phone so much throughout mm-hmm. tour because that can be you know easy to do. Yeah. Trying to expand my my, my brain and my vocabulary a little bit. So trying to read as much as I can and just you know, stay off scrolling social media all the time. Yeah, that's fair. Reading is a great way to distract yourself for sure. Um, great. Okay. So little weirds and little fires everywhere. Um, okay. Who did you call first when you booked hairspray on tour, not the cruise? Okay. So it just so happened that my whole family was on vacation together when I got the call. Um, so it ended up being really special because, um, I got to, I held it in all day cause I wanted to make sure that my sister was there when I got home and yeah. we were sitting down at dinner and we like went to like hold hands to say the blessing. And right at the mm-hmm. end, I was like, and keep Addie safe as she travels on the national tour of hairspray. And mm-hmm. it like, that was how I was able to tell my entire family. Oh, and of course goodness. they like cried and you know jumped up and down and all the things um so that was just really special I was actually able to tell them in person yes um, which was really cool but then of course I called like my best friend and she screamed and cried and did the whole thing just because you know with with COVID and everything it was just we weren't sure when we were going to be able to work again and yeah um we had started auditioning for this tour Mm pre-COVID and then obviously the world shut down and um you know, with, with the subject matter of Hairspray, I wasn't sure if Hairspray was going to be the first show back on the road. Mm-hmm. Um, so when they reached out and asked if I was available, I was like, well, let me look at my empty calendar um, <laughs> and see right. what's going on. Um, and we, you know, we auditioned virtually and all the things. So, um, mm-hmm. and my family had, had seen me cause I, I was in, I was at home in Alabama throughout COVID and right. they just seen the struggle of, trying to work and still audition and keep your head in the game and all the things. So it yeah. was just, it was really special for them to see it all like come full circle and um, be a part of that special moment for me. Mm, I love that. That's 
That's great. I'm so glad that you got to do that. What a gift. Yeah, it was so funny because I remember sitting on the, we were at the beach and I remember thinking, what's it like for normal people to just come on vacation and relax? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and not worry about, you know, audition postings or right. whatever. And um, yeah. yeah, I got the call like our second day down there. So I was able to enjoy the rest of our vacation together and everything like that. So yeah, that um, was really, really special. Love it. That's so great. Awesome. Um, okay. I've got two more for you. Okay. What, who is your favorite hairspray character that no one really knows about? Like maybe they have a name, but like it's never spoken in the show. <laughs> okay. So I think I have two. One is Shelly. She's one of the council member kids. Okay. Um, and I think it's probably because I adore her on and off stage. So she's really great. Fine. And then one of the Motormouth kids, her name is Cindy Watkins. Mm-hmm. And I just, I love that that's so specific. Like that yeah. was her given name in the script. <laughs> and it has, it's like no one else has a first and last name except for Cindy Watkins. And I just <laughs> find that to be so funny because obviously it was important to the writers, but right. Um, and you know, with, with the council kids during the nicest kids in town song, like they introduce themselves, like it's part of the the show. Right. Um, and so no one in the audience would know that Cindy Watkins name is Cindy Watkins. And I find that just to be like, so funny and intriguing yeah. that they would like give her such a specific name. And she, I think she has like one line, but <laughs> that's hilarious. So funny. Yeah. I she's love a that. dynamite. She's one of the dynamites. So okay. she does get a, a shiny moment, but like, obviously no one would know that her name was that. So, right. Yeah. That's exactly what I was looking Shelley. Yes. I love that. I just love that. You're going to be playing Cindy Watkins in the National Tour of Hairspray. That's actually that. what we named this tour. This is the Cindy Watkins tour. <laughs> like the Angelica <laughs> tour, the Eliza tour. Yes. <laughs> oh, this is Cindy Watkins tour. That's fantastic. I love that. Okay, cool. Last question. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are three essential things that you need for a travel day? A travel day? Yes. Mm. Like when you're when you're going from one place to another. Okay. Um a pillow, hundred mm. um, percent. Coffee, mm. and then let's see. So I there with with hairspray we have two buses. We have the party bus and we have the Zen bus. And I'm always oh. on the Zen bus because there's just sure. sometimes you just like want your peace and quiet. Right, right. Party so, but with that, that, it's like always silent. So mm. highly recommend some sort of like headphone something because it's just like, otherwise there's literally no one to talk to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's so fun. I love that there's a party bus and a Zen bus. Yeah. I, I picture mean, a party bus is like, yeah. It, and is there anything different about the buses or are they just like dubbed that based on like who is on them and like what activities? Yes. Okay. Okay. I was like, does one of them have like a pole? <laughs> like, no, like, no. That's what I picture with a party bus. Could you imagine? No, no, no. It's actually, I think both of them are probably pretty Zen. Mm-hmm. Um, there's rules anyway. Like we're not supposed to talk until like 11 or right. if we leave early, just to like give people time in the morning to wake up and things. But yeah. um, it's typically just like, if you want to talk or not. So the Zen bus is like, you can whisper to your neighbor, but other than that, it's like, it's pretty quiet. Um, nice. And the party bus, you can like take phone calls if you need, or yeah. they play, they play a lot of games on the party bus. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's not like, you know, pole dancing, stripper. Like all right, right, right. I'm like, wow, fun. <laughs> no, it's basically just a preference of, do you want to be chatty or not? And you can go back and forth, you know, depending on your mood and your day. Sure. Um, but yeah, pillow, headphones, coffee, um, 
and just like some sort of sanity. <laughs> yep, that's good. <laughs> For those that. long, those As long, a bonus. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Fun. Okay, cool. Um, love that. Love that rapid fire run. Okay. Here's a question that I don't, I don't honestly normally ask people this. And I think I maybe should more because mm-hmm. we often get a lot of like questions about your resume or questions about specific projects you've done or about the content itself. But I'd love to just know from you what got you into theater and what is keeping you in theater? Like, are they the same thing? What made you Mm -hmm. fall in love with it in the first place? Are those things, you know, still reasons why you stay? Like what, what does that look like for you? Yeah. So I, um, I've always danced my entire life. I started dancing when I was three years old and, um, I come from a very musical family. My grandfather was a, a worship pastor, Mm-hmm. Um, and then my mom, like all her siblings, they sing, play instruments and things. So it's been very natural mm-hmm. in my family to be involved in music. Um, and then when I was in the fifth grade, I played Annie and Annie. Come on. And, um, that's when I just really, I just fell in love with it. Um, yeah. I know it's, it seems like such a young age to, I guess, decide what you want to do forever. But I just, right. I knew I loved being on the stage, yeah. um, whether that was dance recitals or, you know, I was in children's honor choir. I did show choir growing up. Um, oh, fun. Right. Um, was involved in, obviously, I had a really, really outstanding theater department um, in high school. Nice. And that's really what opened my eyes to wanting to do this forever. Um, yeah. I went on to study musical theater at the University of Mobile in Mobile, Alabama. It's a um, small Southern Baptist college there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think then at the time, like my freshman year, I knew I wanted to do theater, but I wasn't sure in what capacity. Sure. Um, I think my, my parents were kind of like, maybe you should teach or, you know, yeah. wanting something very stable for yeah. their, their daughter. And um, mm-hmm. I remember sitting with my professor and he you know, tried to contemplate what exactly I was trying to achieve. And he said, um, do you really imagine yourself coming in every day to a classroom and, you know, teaching boom whackers or whatever it is mm-hmm. to the kids. And it was in that moment where I was like, I, I don't really see that for myself. I, mm-hmm. I want to pursue this on the stage as long as I'm able. And um, mm-hmm. I think friends and family, they as much as they've always been supportive, um, there were some doubts, I'm sure. Like, how is she going to support herself? How is she going to do this and that? Um, but I've just been really fortunate to always have a rally of support support system behind me. And um, mm-hmm. after college, I did some regional work because I wasn't, sh- I wasn't exactly ready to hit the big city quite yet, um, both resume wise and, and stuff. So um, I worked regionally in, in Atlanta, Georgia and Birmingham, Alabama, and then mm-hmm. I booked my first cruise and that kind of, that really opened the gateway to me being able to do this long-term. Mm-hmm. Um, right. But yeah, it's just, I, I love the, the hair, the makeup, the adrenaline rush you get when you're on stage and being able to tell a story night after night. And um, especially something with, with hairspray, for example, there's, there's so much subject matter in that two and a half hour production. And um, it touches on a lot of things that um, I always consider it my gift that I get to get up there every single night. And um, you, there's not been a show like hairspray to me where literally at the end of the show every single person in that theater is on their feet yeah it's so rewarding for us as actors to be on the stage because it's just like wow like we we did this together and that's just and that this is my job you know like I get to do this every single day and show up and 
and tell this beautiful piece. And I think that's why I love it. I love about it. It's just, you get to yeah. tell stories, you get to change lives and yeah. something something in the audience like they they able to latch on to something on stage you know mm-hmm. um yeah. whether that's with a character or a subject matter or something like they mm-hmm. they can see themselves up there in some capacity and mm-hmm. we're able to allow them to escape reality you know for a little bit just like we are so um mm-hmm. yeah I, uh, yeah I've always loved it and it's it's it has its ups and downs just like any job and Right. Obviously, you know, come July 3rd, um, not really sure what will be next, but yeah. um, just getting to, I've always wanted to do a national tour and here I am. And that's why I always go back to this is my gift that I've been given and now I get to share it with the world. Um, and I remind myself of that every single night. So I try to never take it for granted because it's something that I truly love. I really do. Yeah, that's so awesome. Um, one thing that I was curious about kind of going back to like we'll revisit kind of the, the tail end of what you just said. But I think one thing I was curious about in, in you studying musical theater at like a Christian university, what Mm -hmm. did that incorporate itself? Like the, the Christian aspect of the school, did that incorporate itself in your curriculum or like what were there observable differences between studying musical theater at a Christian university? Or was it mostly like we have chapel and then we go to theater class or was it like, discussed do you think there was a different approach like what what was that like yeah I think like from an education standpoint I still took the same class like you know the same type of classes that probably Mm -hmm. liberal arts or um, a non-christian school would have taken Mm -hmm. I think what was different was our shows that we produced Mm -hmm. Um, we were doing like seven brides for seven brothers instead of like hair or you know I, I think that's where things were different yeah. Um, and I do think that there could obviously be adjustments made to the program, but, um, I think in that capacity, it was more content instead of, um, like the, sh- I, I guess I just go back to like the shows that we were producing and, um, right. and things like that. But also, I will say like I'm one of the few that have gone on past college to pursue this um, from someone from my university. Mm-hmm. And and that's not knocking them at all. Um, I just think sometimes people realize like it's a really tough, dark world. Yeah. And um, if you don't have grit and um, strong moral values, like, yeah, it can be tough, yeah. um, especially in the Christian capacity, but um, it's definitely not impossible. Right. Yeah. I I would say like, as far as curriculum goes, I wouldn't say that they were very different, like vastly different. It might just be like the content that we were given versus something that's non-Christian or or more secular. Right. And I think there's probably an added element of like intimacy there just with it being a Christian school and like you having these small classes and having maybe some professors who are also believers. Cause I know that at least in my experience, a lot of the conversations I've been having with my friends recently a couple of years out of school has been like okay what did you keep and what did you throw away from that experience right. like what was really <laughs> helpful and like what was something not great or so I would love to know like this is I think this is like a good thing to be pondering you know for anybody who studied anything really is like what is a what is a habit or mindset from college that you still implement and adopt and then what is a habit or mindset from college that you needed to kind of get pruned out of you after leaving 
Yeah. I know um, one of my favorite professors my senior year looked at me and said, you can do this, but be prepared to live a life of rejection. And I've always mm-hmm. clocked that in my head. And he wasn't trying to be negative by any means. I think he was just trying to give me a little bit of a dose of reality because sure. I'll be honest, because I went to like a small Christian school, it was very much like church camp all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah. know, like it was small. We had our little groups and everyone thought the same and talked about the same things, you know. And um, yeah. at first when he had said that, I immediately clocked it as in my work, you know, the, the audition side of things, which is true. You know, you, you hear a lot of, a lot more no's than you do a lot than yeses. But right. um, I think he also was, was trying to prepare me for my lifestyle as well. Mm-hmm. You know, that I'm not going to be everyone's cup of tea, that I will stand alone in some circumstances and just because mm-hmm. of my beliefs. And um, I think he was just trying to prepare me a little bit for that because I was very much not in a real world scenario as far as my university went. Yeah. Um, so that, I think that's something that I, I definitely have taken into different aspects of my life mm-hmm. um, for sure. Sorry, something mm-hmm. to get rid of. Um, Hmm. I definitely don't use my Suzuki training very much. <laughs> okay, I saw that on your resume. I was I was amazed. I was about to formulate this entire interview around the fact that you had Suzuki training because we also did Suzuki. I don't know if you've talked to anybody. If you talked to Kayla about this, we did you Suzuki know I as well. But I will. <gasps> okay, you need to bring it up. Actually, actually, I've heard the rumor has it. So, okay, friends who are listening. Addison and I have a mutual friend named Caleb. Caleb is also in the tour with with mm-hmm. her. He plays Brad slash Brad, understudies yes. Wilbur <laughs> and Corny Collins question mark. And he's um, gone on for both of them. He's amazing. Yes, we love it. Yeah, he's the best. But I the rumor was that he was like surprisingly great at Suzuki because he can like move his bodies and body in ways that I've like never <laughs> seen. But anyways, I I do. We don't need to take that much time. But I do. Was your Suzuki training extensive? Like what what was going on there? Yes. I just remember thinking, what am I doing? Like I'm, mm. I'm in, it almost felt like cultish. <laughs> yes. Because yes. you're standing there with like your peers, your friends, and you're chanting mm. this thing and you're like getting in the zone. And then we did this whole like production quality side of things. And oh um, yeah, I, I'm not really sure what that was supposed to teach me long term. <laughs> but um, aside oh. from like memorizing the different um Shakespeare quotes and things, but uh, right. yeah, LOL. That's funny. I'm going to have to ask um, Caleb about that because I'm very intrigued. That doesn't surprise me about no, Caleb yeah. because right. he just, I don't know. He, he's just the jack of all trades, but right. Um, yes. Yeah. Yes. I think that's probably the one thing I can uh, leave behind as far as there my, you go. Uh, my Velma Von Tussle-ing in Hairspray. I don't think she's right. doing any Suzuki. <laughs> sure. Serves as more of a fun fact than like an actual implementable <laughs> you know, part of your training. And for anybody who doesn't know what Suzuki is, honestly, I'm not even going to try to explain it to no, you. No, don't even. Let's go look it up because it is amazing. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I don't even know. Sometimes I go back and listen to my professor. I recorded her singing like the Suzuki. I don't even know what this song is called, <laughs> but I recorded her singing it. And the, the one thing that I did realize is like, I was amazed because she's 
singing. I don't even know what language is in. And she's singing the song and is belting like E's. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, like E's and F's, like an F to top of that. I was like, this is the craziest thing I've ever heard. But anyways, what is I'm glad on? that we connected in that way. <laughs> I love that. That's so incredible. Funny. Amazing. Um, okay, we can move on now. <laughs> Although I can talk about her. That's all I can remember. There we go. Yeah, I don't even remember any of it. I remember Heech Nissan, like the the whacking of the mat. Uh, anyway, I don't even want to uh-huh. think about that. Okay. Yeah. My professor okay, so was just so are. intense. That's what I remember about that. Yes. Like she was yes. so adamant about it. Yes, I remember. Okay, sorry guys, we're exchanging these stories, but we have to talk about this. Like. I remember one of our professors, She's also she was also the chair of our department at the time. She's amazing and is so mysterious, has this long white hair and is teaching the Suzuki class, studied Suzuki in Thailand, question mark? I don't even know. But she just, I felt like such like a child in this scenario because she's just like, everybody sit down. And she turns on this music, starts at the back of the room and just during the music walks really slowly and just starts weeping there are just tears and she's not like hysterical it's just like such controlled tears as she is walking forward in our suzuki class i don't even know if that was suzuki or what that was but it was just in her feels yes and i was in my feels i was like i don't know why this is affecting me (laughs) maybe that was the point maybe that was the point like empathetic learning or something yes I remember walking out and just being like, I have no idea what just happened. And I don't know if I liked it, but here we are. But here we are. Yeah. Unbelievable. <laughs> um. Anyways, we can talk about the Bible now. <laughs> Got it. Okay. Good shift. Good. Yeah. The good shift. Good transition. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay. So, you know, everybody knows this, but when, when we kind of chat initially, um, when we're talking about the interview, I get to get a little bit of information about everybody and kind of say like, what's, you know, what's on your heart? What's God doing in your life? Or, or what do you want to share? And I just remember reading your response to my email and it was so beautiful because you were like, I just candidly want to like love people. And I think that reminds me of Matthew 18, when it talks about like the disciples asking, asking Jesus, like, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And it says, um, Jesus and calling to him, a child put him in the midst of them and said, truly, I say to you, Unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And I think that um, there's this beautiful simplicity to the gospel, like beautiful simplicity to the good news of Jesus. And that there's an implication of you just get to like love people and love on people. Um, So I'd love to hear kind of, you know, how you came to that conclusion of like, you know, because there's a difference between like, no, you know, the knowledge that the 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 Christian way, the Christian life, the way of Jesus is is a really narrow way. Like we talk about with narrow to runway, like mm-hmm. it isn't necessarily living in total boundless freedom. But I heard someone say recently that faith or religion, you know, Christianity is is simple but not easy. Um, mm-hmm. So I'd love to just hear kind of, yeah, your 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 take on that. Yeah, I, I love that. It is it is simple. It's not easy, but it is simple. And I feel like sometimes in this Christian culture uh, or a religion in general, um, we've we've complicated it so much based off rules and this and that. When all it it comes down to is loving others, and that's that's what Christ has called us to do. He's called us to have a relationship with Him, and then to go forth and make disciples. And mm-hmm. um, I feel like 
you know, Jesus surrounded himself with people not like him. Mm. Um, Cause if we were to continue to put us, put ourselves around people just like us, like where's the growth there? Where's the, where's the relationships there? So yeah. when we can, when we put ourselves in theater, for example, in a place where there's not a lot of believers around in my line of work, um, I think it opens our eyes to and opportunities to just love and to, to show them that we care and that um, there's somebody out there that loves them for who they are, their flaws and all their sins and all. And I think a lot of people either haven't had that growing up or just right. feel like that's not achievable for them. Right. I feel like, especially as actors, like we all come from, some of us come from these like hard upbringings and the, which yeah. is, which allows us to be able to relate to these characters that we portray on stage. But right. um, I think, what my goal is, is to just embrace them for who they are and that they will be drawn to, um, my light. Um, it's actually mm -hmm. funny. This, one of the girls in the cast the other day said, you know, Addison, I'm just like drawn to you. I'm drawn to your yeah. spirit or something. And while I was flattered, yes. Um, I wanted to be like, that's not me. That's the Holy spirit. You're right. seeing something different in me that you don't see in others. And that's right. what's intriguing, you know? And right. I just think that, um, the more we just shed love and the more we just try to connect and make relationships, then eventually they're going to notice that something is different about us right. and that their lives will be changed through Christ, through me, mm -hmm. you know, or mm -hmm. whoever they're, yeah. they encounter. And, um, right. Yeah. I just think in any profession, not just with theater, it, it's not our job to, to judge or to shove Jesus down their throats. It's just to make connections with these people. And, um, mm -hmm to deeper our relationship with them so that then we're able to have those conversations of Christianity and why we believe what we believe. And um, right. yeah, I, I guess I just go back to what you just said. It, it is simple. It's, it's not easy, right. but it, it's just, it's a way of life that um, we're just, we're just called to love and yeah. hope, and uh, hope that they, their lives are changed through Christ through us. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it reminds me too of like what you said of being, being a light and, you know, in first Peter three, when it talks about, um, it says like, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord, and then always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. And I just love that because I think there's, it's like two parts. It's like embodying Christ, um, allowing your life to be sanctified and become more like Jesus. And then when people observe the light in you being prepared to be like, yeah, this is why, because they're not necessarily attracted to like the choices you make or right. the way mm -hmm. you decide to surrender your life to Jesus. They're, they're, they're attracted to the spirit of God working in you. And I think that that's when we have to be prepared. Cause I think that's where I get like, um, tripped up a little bit is like, yeah, I can, I can do this in my own life, but I think I'm scared of like. I think the enemy has maybe gotten in my head a little bit that the reason for the hope that I have is going to be like offensive to people because, you know, this could be a whole podcast episode, but like there hasn't necessarily been like a great reputation displayed from everyone who identifies to be a Christian or anyone yeah, who identifies um, as a Christian. So, mm -hmm. so when, so I'm a little, I get a little scared, like actually like being like Jesus and, and allowing my own life to be transformed to look like Jesus is one thing, but then to actually bring it up and be like, actually the way that I am. And I think the reason why you're attracted to this light is, is because of my relationship that I have with Jesus, like the God of the Bible. Like that's where I get a little 
like nervous because I'm like, ah, like I'm prepared to give an answer, but like, what if they don't like my answer? What if they're scared? I, I so, know, I know. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to, you know, hear, I, I'm sure that, you know, I think it's one of those things where um, it reminds me of like in James, like, cause James obviously is like the book of the Bible. That's like a, basically a, you know, guide to how to like lead well as a Christian and Mm-hmm. Um, it talks about like the word and and not forgiving or not forgetting what you've heard, uh, but doing it. And so it reminds me of verse 27 says that um, religion that God, our father accepts as pure and faultless is this to look after orphans and widows and their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Um, it is really so simple. Um, I was talking to like, I can't remember who I was talking to about this the other day, but it's like, whenever I forget, Cause I think like you said, we've, we've complicated it and not in, and not in a bad way. Like there's, there's a lot of, you know, apologetics, there's theology, there's these things that I yeah. like love to study and like nerd out about, but what, but what it says in scripture of like pure and faultless faith is to like, look after those in need, um, and keep yourself from being polluted. Like, it's really just that simple. Um, yeah. And I think like, obviously like there's the Bible for certain reasons and obviously that that's God's word. But I think sometimes we get so wrapped up in the rules and this don't do this and only do this Mm -hmm. and whatever, which are important. I know, but I Mm -hmm. think when, especially when you're encountering a non-believer for the first time, Mm -hmm. it's so important to just offer grace and to, to make that deep connection in that relationship instead of being like, well, I believe this because of this and you're wrong. Right. You know, right. cause I think that's what they expect and maybe right. that's what they're right. used right. to. Um, right. when it, when it's really just getting down to the basics of, mm-hmm. you know, Christ just called us to love others and expect and love for return, love in return. Um, right. and I think when we just like hone in on that, right. um, from the very beginning, then it, it, it allows deeper, and sometimes harder conversations, but right, right. when you've established that relationship from the beginning of trust and um, understanding, then it, I think it just, the opportunity can just grow from there. Right. Right. And I think too, those conversations about like outward behavior are often where people find like disparity and disconnect of like, oh, we don't believe the same thing about like what is quote unquote good or bad. But I think that that like starting there is like such a horrible idea because it's like <laughs> you don't like that's where just like legalism in general comes in. And and again, like I think there's so much more nuance to this conversation than like hundred percent anybody yeah. wants to take the time to like admit. But I think what it is is, you know, even me like even me or you or someone who was raised in a Christian home, like who identifies as a Christian, actively lives that on their life, like me fighting my flesh is still really hard. So like Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to, to try to convince someone logically or just like through an argument that they should fight their flesh or like try to, to try to explain to them morality based on Christianity is not like a great way. Like you, we, it's way more beneficial to like you said, almost back up into it and be like, the only way that I can even fight my own flesh as a Christian is through the power of the Holy Spirit, which is what you're seeing in me and through me. Mm -hmm. And so like introducing people to Jesus, because Jesus at the end of the day is going to be the only one that is going to be able to allow them to do the same thing. Um, Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it's a hard conversation because 
oftentimes, you know, it talks about like the fruit of someone's life and, and how the Lord like will breed, you know, new sanctification in you once you know him and have the spirit of God in him, but it's not sustainable to just fight it. Like we, there's a reason why we need the Holy Spirit because we cannot do it on our own. Yeah. We cannot do it on our own. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's one of those hard things, but it's also really beautiful. And I think that God can do it. So I'm happy to hear um, that like you've been able to have some sweet conversations and that the prayer has just been like, God, okay, you know, allow people to see you and me. And then if they say something about it, or if a conversation comes up, like allow me to be prepared to give an answer that's pleasing to you. Yeah. I think that's, that's always my prayer. Like when, when I know that conversation is leading a certain way, I'm like, okay, Lord, like I'm no longer in control here. You have to give me the words to say and the gracious way to say it, you know, without Mm -hmm. harping on who they are as people. Cause that's, again, that's, that's not my role. It's not my job in this scenario. It's, it's to allow them to understand, especially because I'll never forget. So Philippians 4.13 is my like life verse. I can do all Mm -hmm. things through Christ. And I've always put that in my bio. Right. And um, I'll never forget on my very first cruise contract, I did a short contract with Norwegian Cruise Lines back, back in the day. And, um, I had that at the end of my bio. And I remember this girl coming up to me, she was from the UK saying, what is Philippines? Or I think she even like Mm -hmm. said it weird. And it was in that moment where I was like, oh, wow. It's not that these people only don't know the Lord. They don't even know what it is. Like she doesn't even know that was a book of the Bible. Like that's how lost these people can be at times like it's not even and it's not even their fault you know she just didn't she just had never been introduced to something like that so I think it was in that moment I was like oh wow like I not that I'm in over my head but I'm I'm really in the trenches here as far as um my upbringing versus theirs and right um and things like that so I just think in that moment, I just had to say, oh, well, it's a book of the Bible. It's what I live my life upon, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then that allowed deeper conversations to flow from within. But I think mm-hmm. we just always have to take a step back and see the bigger picture and see mm-hmm. like, it's, it's not that they are choosing to not believe it's that they haven't right. even been opened up to it. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That's amazing. Like that the first time that this girl was exposed to the Bible or exposed to the, yeah, like the word of God or exposed to Christianity was because you were like on a cruise ship performing and they happened to do these bios and you happened to put that in there. Like, and then she had the bravery to come up and be like, what is that? What is that? That, Yeah. 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 It's kind of wild because um, usually like they only like allow us a certain amount of characters anyway within those, Mm -hmm. sorry, those bios. But from now on, I've like purposely not even put out the verse. Mm -hmm. I just put the reference because then people are able to come up and ask me about it. Mm -hmm. And I'm able to then further explain like, first of all, why that is my verse and, or, you know, something I cling to and and hone in on. um, And it allows deeper conversation um, to go from there, which I think is really cool. Yeah. Wow, that's that's really inspiring and really cool and and encouraging because I think that a lot of the times we maybe think that we have to have like we have responsibility to undo a lot of what people go through or that like we have to convince them that 
um, Christianity or the Bible or, or God will like in a day, like quote unquote work for them or like cure them or whatever. But it's like, no, you were divinely appointed to be on this short cruise contract so that this girl could like, out of curiosity, it reminds me of like little children coming to Jesus being like, yeah. what's going on here with what this guy is this? telling these stories? <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. just so encouraging. And I think it should be cur- encouraging for any of our listeners who are like, I don't know where to start. Like, I don't know where to start when it comes to sharing my faith and mm-hmm. I don't know what to do or what to say. And I think that that is really cool. And I'm just really encouraged hearing that this morning. So thanks for sharing that story. Yeah, I think it's, I think we have to throw the idea of where do I start out mm-hmm. of there because I think it, it just happens, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it, it, I always come back to, it comes down to relationships. Um, the more mm-hmm. you trust someone with, you know, in a friendship, relationship, whatever, the more you're going to be open to being vulnerable about your beliefs and your morals and things like that. So mm-hmm. I think it all comes down to establishing that connection from the get-go to then mm-hmm. allow things to go from there because I think if we come off too strong, it can be really disheartening and um, a little judgmental too. Mm -hmm. And again, that's, that's not our job. That's, you know, that's in any profession. Like we're, we're never called to judge or to force someone to believe a certain thing, but, um, and then from there, they're able to, to watch our actions and, you know, see why we do the things that we do or why we read the the things that we read or only Mm -hmm. talk about certain things, you know, it's, it's because um, that's what we feel called to do. Um, and they're able to follow our actions and like follow suit in that regard. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm so encouraged by that. Um, great. I think, so one way we love to like wrap up an interview is through ask. It's so funny because it's a simple question, but for some reason it's like kind of weirdly hard to answer because there's so many (laughs) potential like things to answer it with. But I would love to know, like, what is something that the Lord is teaching you right now? Um, so I, I find this to be really cliche and I've always told myself it was cliche until this year, but um, going into the new year um, back, yeah, in January. So we had um, unfortunately had some COVID cases break out in our cast, like right mm-hmm. after Christmas. Yeah. Um, and we had to, thankfully everything was fine, but we just, instead of, keeping going with the tour they just hunkered us down in Miami for two weeks and we were all able to isolate and you know and now we're able to 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 move on but in that state of isolation um I'm not good at doing nothing (laughs) I like Uh thrive on going outside and working out and like being around Mm -hmm. people so that was just like really challenging to be on my own for that long but it really allowed myself to ponder and think and um my word for this year is open and um that's open to opportunity open to possibility open to whatever um the lord chooses to to throw my way and i think for so long i've been so like because i turned 30 this year so i'm like it's a big year for me but um 30 flirty and thriving 30 flirty and thriving that's right um (laughs) i think you know five years ago i thought by the time i was 30 i'd have x y and z and i'd be doing this and i'd be doing that and um obviously didn't expect a global pandemic to happen in the midst of that. But right. um, it has really opened my eyes to like, at the end of the day, we can work hard, we can have dreams, we can have goals, and we can pursue those. But we are never the ones that are in charge. We're never the ones that are calling the shots. And I think it was just a good um, reminder to know that like, while I can work hard and do my best and, you know, meet God halfway um, yeah. I need to be open to whatever may come to friends that mm-hmm. come in and out to relationships, to jobs, 
you know, Um, and to just really kind of let go of the reins a little bit Mm -hmm. and say, truly, here I am, Lord, send me. And in whatever way that may be, whether that's doing another leg of the tour or another job or, you know, whatever that may be, um, just really trying to not plan my life. Um, I am very type A, so that's very, uh, that's hard to let go of the reins a little bit, but just to truly being open to conversations, to, um, to whatever it is that, that life throws my way, because um, the older you get, the more you step back and you look at your life and it's all a puzzle, you know, we can, it all magically fits together. And um, if we're not open to that, then I think that that's when we fall short. That's when we get upset or, you know, turn resentful about things like that, but we're just open to possibility and opportunity. Um, We can really, really, really enjoy the ride and see how the Lord provides in Mm -hmm. ways we never really thought possible or imagined. Yeah. That's so encouraging. And it's interesting that you say that because I find that the older, LOL, I'm acting like I'm like 60 and I'm like, in my years of experience. (laughs) No, just like in general with being a believer, I think that we are, we are in such seasons of like knowing and then feeling confident and then doubting and then knowing Mm -hmm. other things. And I think that in the last couple years, like the Lord really has done the same thing in my heart of just like making what I thought was cliche really true and like applicable to my life. So I think that's a really good thing. It's a big thing to learn how to like, and to be asked to let go um, Mm -hmm. and to be asked to like, give it up and, and know that we're just vessels. And I think that that's all like kind of cliche or like typical Christian perhaps vernacular, but mm-hmm. to actually learn it and embody it in your life is really challenging. Yeah. I mean, cause it's a place of surrender, which mm-hmm. we, we know we're supposed to do, but actually acting out on it is, is different. And yeah. Um, yeah. And maybe it is because I, I have like a milestone birthday year or whatever, mm-hmm. but I just, I guess, you know, being in this national tour and thinking back to where I was just six years ago and, you know, ending college or whatever, it's just, it's so encouraging to know, like, what I thought I wanted then is actually not what I got in the time, but it's allowed me to where I am today. And I think when you're 22 years old, yeah, it's 100% more better. And it's just like, you think you want everything to, to look a certain way, but really, it's just, it's all a beautiful, beautiful, masterful, um, masterpiece that, mm. that he has for each of us. Um, and that's yeah. the people that we encounter, the jobs that we have, like even little yeah. odd jobs. Um, a girl came to the show last night. She's here for her college auditions. She worked with mm. me in, at, at a Birmingham theater, you know, six years ago. So it's just wow. all those relationships that you make along the way are, yeah. are just so special and so unique and, um, it all, it's all with purpose and it all gets you to where you are today and crafts you into yeah. who you are. So I just think that's yeah. really cool. Wow. That's such a gift. That's so fun. Ah, <laughs> this is my gift. That's- this is my gift of COVID and everything like that. This is, I don't right. know. I, this is, I always go back to that. I'll never forget our very first preview back in Washington. It was just like, wow, this is a full circle moment. And this is the gift that I've been given that I'm going to now give back. Yeah. I love it. That's so true. Well, I'm excited to take part in the gift today. Yeah. The, I'm so excited. How Christmas. funny that you get to come today. It's so neat. I know. So fun. Um, amazing. Okay. Last quick question. Yeah. What 
where can people find you? Like if they want to, you know, follow you, follow the fun tour news, follow your career, um, where can people find you? Cause don't, well, I'll just let you answer it. <laughs> yeah. The easiest way is, um, on Instagram. It's very easy, very simple at Addison Varner. Um, and then you can follow our tour at, um, hairspray on tour on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Love it. Okay. Amazing. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Addison, for coming on the show. This was yeah, such thank a thank you for having me. What a treat. Yes. It's so fun. Amazing. Well, listeners check her out on Instagram, check the tour out and actually check out the tour. Like if you can go see the show. Um, yeah, we're on the road till July. So yes. And, and see her at the stage door and let her know you listened to the episode, but amazing. Thank you so much, Addison. We will talk to you later. Yeah. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of the narrow way to Broadway podcast. If you enjoyed Please subscribe and share with your friends. We release new episodes every week. If you want to keep up with what we've got going on, head over to Instagram and follow us at InwayBWay. We'll see you next time.